Welcome to Parse, the official podcast of the Elaheo Midyar, Mir Jalali Institute of Iranian Studies at the University of Toronto. In Persian, Parse means strolling or wandering around as an observer of contemporary life and modernity. In a similar spirit, our podcast Parse aims to take our listeners on an intellectual stroll in the field of Iranian studies, where they can listen to different ideas from leading thinkers, academics, activists, and authors in the discipline. Our podcast will provide thought-provoking excerpts from lectures and seminars organized by the Iranian Studies Institute at U of T to make the extensive work we do with our partners more accessible to academics and non-academics alike across Canada and beyond. The 40th episode of Parse is an excerpt of a presentation given by Dr. Pegah Shahbaz on how Persian literature and Zoroastrianism influenced Ralph Waldo Emerson's philosophy of transcendentalism, a highly popular movement in early 19th century United States. Transcendentalism believed in the inherent goodness of people and nature. It held that while society and its institutions have corrupted the purity of the individual, people are at their best when truly self-reliant and independent. This lecture was part of the Zoroastrian Studies Symposium in honor of Ervark Dr. Jahan Begli, which took place at UFT on September 9th, 2023. Shahbaz is currently a postdoctoral fellow at the Monk School of Global Affairs and Public Policy. Her area of interest is the systems of knowledge transmission in the Persian ed world. She completed her PhD in Persian and studies at the University of Strasbourg with a specialization in Persian prose narratives in India. Pegah Shahbaz's ongoing research project is focused on the study of 14th century historiographies of the Buddha in the Persian language. presenting today is a section taken from my past research on Rolf Waldo Emerson and the impact that Persian literature and culture had on him. Our audience today must have heard of the name uh, of the most prominent American poet philosopher of the 19th century, Rolf Waldo Emerson, who along with his contemporaries such as Henry David Thoreau, Margaret Fuller, William Woodsworth, and others launched the intellectual movement of transcendentalism in Great Britain and America in the 19th century. Emerson was born and brought up in Boston, studied at Harvard Divinity School, and later at law school, traveled to Europe and England, and actively took part in the foundation of the intellectual exchanges of his time. During his life, Emerson wrote manifold pages of journals, now published in 10 volumes, and he expressed his thoughts on diverse subjects related to human beings' individual and social concerns in several essays, the most important of which are Nature, Self-Reliance, Poet, Society and Solitude, and character. Emerson was also a poet, and along with composing poems, he translated poetry from Asian languages via the intermediary of European languages. 
He was a fan of Persian poetry and read translations from German of poems by Sadi, Hafez, Anvari, Khaju, etc. The translations were mostly done by uh, Joseph von Hammer Perkstadt. He was inspired by that poetry in his own verses as well. Emerson lived at the time of the Orientalists who played an active role in the, in the introduction and translation of Asian literatures to the West. The approaches towards this literature were not only philological and literary, but also broadened the scope of sociocultural debates and religious studies as reflected within texts. Scholars recruited in colonial institutions, such as the Royal Asiatic Society in India, um, East, East India Company in Persia, in India, and also in China, collaborated with native scholars of Oriental languages for collecting, decoding, reading, and rendering the major canonical texts of each nation. Many of the translations were produced in freestyle and included erroneous attributions and interpretations. Emerson lived in this historical period called by the French scholar Edgar Quinet, Renaissance Orientale. Influenced by the current intellectual fashions of his time, he was attracted to the wisdom of the East, which he described as joyful wisdom. He showed interest in acquiring knowledge about old languages and found access to French, German, and English renderings from ancient languages such as Middle Persian and Sanskrit. He began reading them in his early 20s and continued his edu education about ancient scriptures uh, all across, um, all through his life. He clearly mentioned in his journals the books that he borrowed from the library in his college days about the Pahlavi language and the Zoroastrian texts. His journals include manifold references to the sacred texts, which he believed were timeless. For years, he kept a separate journal called The Orientalist, where he entered all quotations and ideas relating to the, uh, to the Orient, including um, his notes on Zoroastrianism and what he had found in books written by Parsis. With Henry David Thoreau, they published ethical scriptures in the dial periodical of the transcendentalists between 1842 and 1843, where they published selections from different sacred oriental books. Emerson's knowledge about Zoroastrianism came from the books that were available to him in European languages. The books that he had at his disposal were a mix of first-hand and second-hand books, either translations of texts such as Vandidat, the Satir, or Zandavesta, or the analytical treatises that provided a general view about Zoroaster as a prophet and the writings that were attributed to him. Along with Mahabharata, Vishnu Purana, and other Hindu scriptures, uh, Emerson 
started reading Zandavesta. In 1832, he mentioned Zoroaster in one of his journals. Emerson's outlook towards Zoroaster and his doctrine was approving and positive. He mentioned him several times along with the names of other prophets and thinkers of Asian cultures. In his essay, History, he states how easily these old worships of Moses, of Zoroaster, of Menu, of Socrates, domesticate themselves in the mind. I cannot find any antiquity in them. They are mine as much as theirs. Now, there were polemics and controversial ideas regarding the authenticity of the Zoroastrian sources that Emerson consulted in translation. Uh, let's take Zandavesta, um, for example. Uh, Zandavesta is the Pahlavi interpretation of Avesta produced in the Sasanian period. Um, uh, and it was translated into French the first time by Anquetil du Perron in the year 1771. Zend was the sacred book of the Parsis in India. And uh, during his trip to India, du Perron uh, uh, discovered this book and brought it back with them to Europe and later on translated it into uh, French. Sir William Jones immediately disputed the authenticity of the text and claimed that Enquetil du Perron had been duped by the Parsis with modern forgeries. And this claim by Jones impacted the study of this text for many years. He raised questions about the antiquity of the language and argued that such tales, absurd laws and descriptions of gods and demons could not be the work of a wise prophet like Zoroaster. His arguments were accepted by certain scholars in England and Germany, and it was refused by some others. Uh, Johann Friedrich Klöcker, supporter of Duperon, published a German translation of the book immediately afterwards based on Duperon's rendering in the year 1789. Emerson referred to Zandavesta as the Zoroastrian Bible in his article books. His response to the supposed translations of Zoroaster's words being forgeries was revealing of his lack of concern regarding the authenticity of the text. And his semantic consideration of the text and its message was more important to him. The questions about the authenticity of the text did not stop him from accrediting, accrediting them for the philosophy integrated within them. He seemed to care little about the question whether the Zandavesta or the Desautier are genuine antiques or modern counterfeits. He wrote, as I am only concerned with the good sentences and it is indifferent how old the truth is, whether an hour or five centuries. In his essay, History, he says how easily these old worships of Moses, of Zoroaster, of Monu, of Menu, and of Socrates domesticate themselves in the mind. He also wrote about the Oriental book collection that he had in his 
library, which he found were indispensable for him. He says, despite the fact that he doesn't have any room, yet still he would like to keep the desertir of Persians and the Zoroastrian oracles. Although Emerson was a Christian priest, through his philosophy of transcendentalism, he promoted a universal outlook towards the religions of the world. He saw Christianity not as an exclusive religion, but as one amongst many others, and believed that religions transmitted one message of unity through their texts. He sought wisdom in the treasures of Brahman, just as he did in the volumes attributed to Zoroaster. As a cosmopolitan thinker, the philosophy of, of transcendentalism that Emerson introduced and put forward reflected connections between Neoplatonism, Persian Zoroastrianism, and Oriental mysticism. Neoplatonism is a thought um, is a thought form rooted in the philosophy of Plato by extending beyond or transforming it in many respects. Neoplatonism developed as a school of thought in the Roman Empire. And uh, what is very interesting about it is that it focused on the idea of duality um, uh, between the finite world and the infinite world, which was the ideal form of being. Such ideas could also be traced in Oriental schools of thought, such as Ibn al-Arabi's unity of being philosophy, or Sahrawardi's uh, illumination called, which had roots in pre-Islamic creeds of Iran, and of, of course, also in Zoroastrianism. Emerson's essay, Plato, contains um, the kernel of Emerson's Orientalism and reflects the similarities that he noticed in the dualism that existed in Neoplatonic system of thought and in Zoroastrianism. Amongst the most important common features that he discusses in is the duality that exists between good and evil illustrated as in Ahura Mazda and in Angra Mainu, which he refers to in his articles. Uh, he also refers to the application of light and darkness as the best symbolic representations for um, good and evil. He considered fire also as the perfect symbol for representing the divine. Despite all the borrowings and inspirations that he received from Asian spirituality, philosophy, and religion, he remained selective towards the knowledge that he borrowed and incorporated into his writings. He reinterpreted them in the service of his own ideas about religion and philosophy. As he wrote himself in 1857 in his journals, we read the Orientals, but remain Occidental. The impact that he left on the next generation of Western philosophers continues to be seen um, in, in um, uh, Friedrich Nietzsche's uh, work, Thus Spake Zarathustra. Thank you for listening to this episode of Parse. Your support is invaluable to us. To like, share, or listen to our latest episodes, 
please head to our pages on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you listen to your podcasts. To watch the complete seminars, please head to the Elahe Omidyar Mujalali Institute for Iranian Studies website and YouTube page, which are linked in the description. See you again on our next episode.